This episode, I'm a full-fledged sumo wrestler wannabe. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends continuing our series, taking a look at different labels we know and love, and this is part two of Tooth & Nail Records. We shared our five favorite releases from Tooth & Nail Records on our last episode. You can go check that out anywhere you find podcasts on our YouTube channel, whatever the case may be. Uh, This episode is Aaron sitting down with Seth Roberts of Watashi Wa talking about his favorite releases from Tooth & Nail Records. It's going to be a good one. But before we get into the episode, uh, go follow us at Growing Punk Pod. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. You can also go to growingpunkpod.com. That's our website where you'll find the episodes. You'll find reviews that we write and new music we're sharing. Uh, you can also find merch there as well as our Patreon, just different stuff going on there, growingpunkpod.com. Anyway, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into Aaron's interview with Seth Roberts of Watashi Wa and his five favorite Tooth & Nail releases. first time you remember hearing about Tooth and & Nail, and do you remember what band it was or what album it was? Yeah, Tooth & Nail, um, I think my first introduction was Hume Lake um, Winter Camp. I was in the, uh, I had a friend, um, I, think, I think it was maybe Josh Lewis, um, and I both kind of like can't remember if he told me about Tooth and Nail or a band that he heard of, but we went to they had a gift shop there and they had a you know, they were selling a bunch of CDs and they had Poconacha, MXPX Poconacha, and they had Starflyer and I think Morella's Forest or something. And I just bought everything they had that was Tooth and Nail. Like every Tooth and Nail release, I was like, oh my gosh. Cause I just for me at that point, like I, you know, I heard there's this really cool uh, label that has punk and hardcore and alternative, you know, stuff. But it, you're allowed to, you, you know, you'll be allowed to listen to it, basically, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So was that like a part kind of like of your upbringing, like kind of more conservative or um, like why, why did that stand out to you? Like, were you not allowed to listen to that kind of music, you know, in the more general market, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, my parents became Christians like in the Jesus movement. Uh, and so very like evangelical. There was a lot, there was a big thing of kind of like breaking away from secular music. And so we listened to like some like, you know, old rock and like stuff that my parents liked 
from when they were younger. Um, and other than that, we kind of just listened to like bluegrass music and, um, you know, kind of old time, uh, you know, music and Christian music. And so, um, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't really like we weren't allowed to, but we weren't allowed to, you know, listen. I remember I had like a Guns N' Roses tape, uh, cassette tape that my pastor's um, son gave, gave me. Uh, and I hid it in my tree fort to like listen to it. Cause I, you know, I felt like a sense of, of guilt listening to, you know, appetite for destruction. I remember just like looking at it like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, so that's why I think for me, just like tooth and nail was so exciting to like find not just a, a place that had like, you know, good, good, clean, um, stuff, but also like, music that was still honest and truthful and like um intense like in like kind of passionate had like a lot of emotion in it um especially the hardcore music i mean that experience of seeing like a show where everyone the crowds like jumping on on each other and like screaming with the with the singer and there's a lot of um intensity and like uh like vulnerability and honesty there. So I, I really liked that, you know, that it was like, whoa, you, you could still be really honest. Like these bands are still being really honest, you know, yeah. even though it's like Christian. So yeah, I, I love Tooth & Nail. From that point on, I was just like everything, like buy every, <laughs> everything I could. Yeah, so, so you liked, you know, the punk, hardcore, metal, indie, kind of that whole spectrum of stuff that you're releasing? Yeah, everything. I bought everything kind of that they released, Tooth and Nail. Um, and I learned to play guitar on from that Pocanacha CD. That's like what I learned to, to play guitar to. Um, and then all those like, you know, Starflyer. I had, I also like, you know, broke outside of Tooth and Nail too. Like I, I had um, cru the, the Crucified and um, some, yeah. Uh, yeah, some of the the stuff um but yeah i loved it all uh everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> was, yeah no, that's cool I, I don't know if like i grew up in a small town that didn't have you know a bookstore or didn't have internet and so kind of all i had to base bands off of was pictures you know in merch catalogs or whatever and so totally or you know i would go to a city where i had family and we'd go to the bookstore there and you know you would basically just kind of buy based off of the artwork or maybe listen to a demo but yeah there's so many of those albums you know because i didn't really know a whole lot of different genres back then and so you know if i heard a few that were punk then i just assumed they were all going to be punk so there was definitely lots that i either bought or put on and i was like oh i don't know if i like this as much like they they look cool like they look alternative but the music's not aggressive enough and right so it's yeah. kind of you know <laughs> later on kind of realized like oh, okay you know there's different styles and but it was such yeah. an interesting, like, you know, my lens was very, like, you know, it was very open. It was just kind of like whatever comes in is you just kind of take it for what it is without any outside perspective on it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and that's what I loved about Tooth & Nail always did represent, um, you know, being eclectic, like having, they had a lot of, a lot of different styles of bands. And that show, that was cool because it kind of, I think, showed like you can like, a lot of different styles of music, you know, like you can 
Um, so yeah, I I loved it all. Every everything they put out, much. <laughs> there was definitely some bands that threw me off. You know, like later on when they put out the VHSs with music videos and. You know, oh, yeah, it'd be totally. mostly, you know, punk alternative. But then all of a sudden, like, Danielson family comes on. I and I was just that. so confused. And I <laughs> love it. Rubber Necker, dude. That's, I almost put a Danielson song. And Furthermore, I love Furthermore. Uh, do you remember oh, yeah. Furthermore? Yeah, so, uh, some of those. I was, the Walrus. Yeah, 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 like kind of the hip hop project. Totally. I loved it yeah. all. Yeah. Morella's yeah, there, there Forest. Was, uh, yeah, like. All of the, all of like Joe Christmas, I really loved. Um, yeah, I just there were so many albums that I would just spend, you know, time with. Um, so that that was like what, why when you asked me to to pick a, a list, I was like, oh man, <laughs> too hard. Yeah, but. yeah, and there's uh, like some of those. So when I got into Tooth & Nail, I was kind of coming out of being into more just, you know, rock and alternative because that's kind of all I knew. So when I found punk, like, that was like, okay, this is what I've been looking for. And so anytime I heard kind of those lighter, like, kind of indie shoegaze bands, I wasn't super interested in it because it just, it didn't have the aggression and energy that I liked. But kind of years later, I was able to appreciate it a bit more once I was like, okay, this is what they were trying to go for, so... Yeah, you know, it's its own thing. Once but. you get a girlfriend, <laughs> you get is that sensitive side. <laughs> yeah, well, I I, yeah, I no, never got I mean, to that, but <laughs> I definitely gravitated towards the obviously towards the punk, you know, because that's what I played. That's what we ended up playing, you know. And my my like obsession was especially that that era of like you know MXPX and then the Value Pack, the Goatee Hook, like all those. Um, yeah like shoes like Craig's brother like i just that was like i loved all that and that was like really really influential me for sure that that portion of tooth nail catalog you know yeah yeah so how did kind of you know moving ahead a bit how did watashiwa get signed to tooth nail how did that come about um josh jeter yeah josh jeter is friend of mine and he was uh at the time living here in slow maybe no he was living in seattle can't remember uh i think he was working for tooth and nail and um brought our name up or something um and then next thing i think brandon called me just reached out to me um from a demo we had just done we we had this is we had put put out a few albums already on a different label and we had you know been touring yeah, and yeah. so yeah Josh um like i said this uh, uh, my friend Josh was the one that kind of i think introduced us to to the nail and what was that like you know making that connection having Brandon connect with you like was that kind of your dream label at the time or was it you know just kind of a good progression what was what was all happening then? Yeah, it was definitely exciting. You know, I think I probably would have said at the time, like, we were, we, you know, we were probably like, um, well, I don't know. Like, let's look, look at our options or whatever. But we were it probably, to be honest, we were ecstatic, you know, like, uh, and it was definitely 
you know, I remember it feeling surreal, like when Brandon called me and just like, whoa, this is crazy, you know. Um, and it all kind of happened quick. Like we, we started recording Love of Life before we had actually signed a deal um, with Tooth and Nail. Um, like Brandon, we had talked and it was just kind of, it's hard to remember now because it's been so long, but my recollection is like we had talked and he called me. He was like, hey, Garth, um, that producer, you know, Garth uh, has a slot. Let's, if you guys have an album, let's get up there now. So we just, we went up to Canada, up to Vancouver, uh, to Gibbs, Gibson's and Vancouver. Um, and before we had even signed with Tooth and Nail, you know, <laughs> so it was all, it all just seemed like at the time it was just like pretty surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to a bit more after that, but that's a good, a good kind of introduction to some of the albums that were influential to you. So let's get into uh, some of these ones that you picked. So the first one is Poconacha by MXPX. Tell me about it, thought I know I do it released on October 4th, 1994. The album reflects influence from skate, surf, punk, and underground punk. What? Uh, so you kind of mentioned about this when you know you kind of saw the cover and, and you put it on. What, what do you remember kind of the first time hearing this and, and why this one was so influential for you? So, yeah, I mean, number one band, I mean, MXPX is probably one of my, if not my top band of all time, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're, you know, they're obviously like friends of mine now. Um, and so I think just be, you know, feel, but just being honest about it. Yeah. It's like, I learned to play guitar to that album. Like I, I bought that album and it just seemed it, it was, you know, to me, art is like something that like grabs you, it shocks you and it, um, and it, moves you and that's what it, it was it was just like what is this one i had the freedom to listen to it and two 
it felt so like raw and um like loud just like loud and raw and like so much energy and freedom and passion and cool melodies and i was just like um yeah i just loved it so and then i think also experience having that experience of like i love this album i love this music this is also new and exciting and learning to play guitar to it so having that experience like added this extra magic to it to that album for me we're just like i mean i could probably still sit down and play that album you know front to back <laughs> on guitar just yeah. because i just like sit there all the time i remember camping with my family we used to uh camp a lot like cross-country camp uh during the summers and um I remember having a little PV, like, or not PV, Marshall, uh, like, 9-volt battery amp, you know, and just, like, this, um, I had, like, a cheesy Yamaha guitar, and sitting in the back of my parents' van, like, playing along to the MXPX album, you know, on this little, just walking around the, I remember walking around the campground playing, like, MXPX songs, you know. <laughs> Uh, just like this little kid. So yeah, that, that album was, was really special for, for sure. How do you find going back to that album now and listening to it? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I still, sometimes when I, 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 I would, you know, drive a lot for work and stuff, or I did before the, the pandemic and, uh, I would still, crank that album and yeah it's it feels it's that's what i love about music is it can take you to that that place in life you know and you can experience those same feelings again and it's it's it brings you so much gratitude to have that like man this is so cool that like you know i can experience this over and over again you know every time i listen to this yeah cool. Just just as a bonus question, if you had to pick a follow-up favorite album of theirs, um, like a, a, another full length, what, what would it be? Whether it was on Tooth & Nail or not. Oh, it's hard, you know. Um, I'd say aesthetically, uh, like, um, Buffalo is like, something so cool about like the sound and the aesthetic of that album it just yeah. feels uh so cool still like when i listen to that there's like it just it oozes coolness you know that album yeah. um and that that album kind of made me start to like appreciate like i guess like class or like some some amount of like coolness to music you know not just like the raw freedom of expression. And then, um, but then I got a sweet spot for ever passing moment. <laughs> those yeah, songs so and like those melodies and everything. And um, I think that, that that was such a cool, you know, Jerry Finn too. So cool. Um, so, yeah. 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 Not to, not to go too off on MXPX, but what I loved about, you know, those first five, kind of six records, I mean, all of them, but those first handful especially, is there was just such a unique kind of transition from one to the next. Like each one, you know, from 
uh, poking at you to teenage politics, to life in general, to Buffalo, ever passing moment. You know, again, like back then, you know, I was still in high school when, when all those albums came out or close after. And, uh, yeah, I could just, I can remember specifically hearing those and just that feeling of like so much excitement, you know, we don't really get that with music anymore because, you know, bands release singles and social media, you kind of know everything they're up to. And, totally. and, uh, so yeah, I just, I, I love thinking of those albums. We've talked about those lots on our podcast and just the influence they had and kind of what they made us feel, but yeah, that's awesome. Well, this, yeah. this, this next selection is a, a new one. I don't think I've ever had anyone pick uh, a seven inch release as a favorite before. And, yeah. uh, Typically, I, I forgot to mention this to you, so, so I'll let it slide. Usually I say no more than one release from a band. Um, oh, that, yeah. That, that's okay, my fault. <laughs> but I'm actually really curious Sorry. to hear why you picked. This one is one of your picks, and that's another MXPX one, which is the Punk Rock Show 7-inch. <laughs> was released in 1995 so why does this one stand out to you so much 
Um, I think I got that. Okay, so um, that seven inch. I just listened to it as much as an album, even though it's a seven inch. I listened to it so much. I listened to it religiously. You know, like every every morning before school. And I think the experience for me of like I I saw them. I think in Guadalupe. I got the seven inch when I saw them and having a seven inch and like putting, you know, like from a band that I liked, which I was familiar with, with records. My parents had records um, and we listened to a lot of records. So having that experience where it was like now their world became cool in my world. Like I had a record player in my room. Now I thought records were cool. My parents did too. It was like, this is awesome. And then, and then there is just something so magical about um like listening to a record and that experience it's different you know than the sound of it you know the so it made it 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 almost like brought me to like a new love for mxpx and just the whole tooth and nail i think world where it, it almost felt like nostalgic to me like yeah from that that record um player and then those songs like um let it happen i like it just still makes me feel like nothing else can make me feel like that yeah on that seven good one yeah um it just makes it's yeah it's so cool so um yeah i mean it it honestly makes me feel it takes me back to this feeling where like i can do almost like life is wide open, you know, it's just free freedom in front of me. And it's cool. Like a youthful feeling. Yeah. So was that the first vinyl you ever got? Probably the first vinyl that I purchased for myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Does you still have that one? Does it still play or did you wear it out? I still have it. Yeah. Um, I have that one and I have, what was the Small Town Mines one? I forget the name now. Was it called Small Town Mines? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had those. Um, and then I got a couple other when I once I started playing, you know, with them, I like I snagged a couple others that I was missing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I had those vinyls too. I like again back in high school, you know. I didn't have a whole lot of merch available to me, so I did buy off a tooth and nail. And they had this big vinyl sale, so I kind of bought all the punk stuff. And I've never owned a vinyl player. I still don't. I ended up giving them away a few years ago because they've been sitting in my possession for 20 years now, like never oh, dude, played or whatever. If you ever want to sell them, I'll buy them off you. <laughs> well, I yeah, I've got a, a good buddy who's a vinyl collector, so he's keeping them for me for now. But yeah, like I have the first run, like Slick Shoes, Goody oh, Hook, awesome. Cooties, Stretch Armstrong, um, those MXPX 7 inches, and Life in General, which is my all-time favorite oh, album. Oh, so I love Life in General, yeah. Cool to cool to have those. Just so yeah. you, you briefly touched on this, so for people that don't know that you uh, briefly spent some time um, playing with MXPX, you yeah. want to just touch on kind of how that came about and what that experience was, especially oh, yeah. being so you know influenced by them and then later on getting to be a part of that? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, well, I met Mike, um, from Watashiwa. He, he had heard, um, our, our, you know, I think a cassette tape from my friend, Jessica Fife, 
um, my now friend. We weren't friends then. Um, and we just became friends. And then um, we had talked about, you know, Watashiwa had talked about working with, we, with Mike, producing our record. And so we went up to, to record actually like a, a split EP. That's like kind of when we, not with MXPX, it was, it was going to be Watashiwa Arthur split EP. Um, cool. And we went up to record it, and Mike Mike produced that. We we've still never released it, um, so I still have it in my back pocket. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Um, and that's when we started talking about, um, you know, Watashiwa was kind of like fizzling out. I was real. I was just in a, um, you know, weird place with. We kept losing members of the, you know, like our guitar player quit and. So I just was kind of like, you know, fizzling out with Watashiwa. Um, and we ended up, Watashiwa ended up uh, breaking up. And then Mike, I told Mike and he was like, well, hey, would you want to play guitar with, you know, come up and play guitar? And I was like, sure, that sounds awesome. So drove my car up to Bremerton and <laughs> started playing. <laughs> and, and so how long were you with them for? Oh man, it was like I can't remember the span of time, but it it was only it was a handful of tours. We did like um Australia, warp we did a full warp tour. Um so it was probably like a year and a half or or so. I can't remember. Yeah. Um and I I wish it I wish now looking back on it, I wish I would have kept um playing with them, but I got married, you know, I got married and and uh settled down had kids <laughs> yeah 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 no that's I, I can't imagine what that feeling would be like you know just the first time or whatever you're up on stage and it's like man like now i'm the one up here with the band that you know that i'm assuming you'd seen them a number of times before that and you yeah. know these albums that were so special to you and now you're the one you know playing even if it's in a more background role it's still you know yeah still what you're getting to do no, I got to do so much. I mean, I I helped do a lot of creative projects with them too. I did their artwork for their yeah. for their albums and recorded a bunch on the albums. Like, got to you know record tons of vocals and um, work on videos. We, me and Mike, shot a bunch of videos, and uh, it was really fun. Yeah, really cool time. You know, Mike is like a brother to me, and and super you know we're super connected with like just he's such a creative person and um still such a you know i think we both kind of like um influence each other uh but yeah i mean it was just such a cool feeling at that point like definitely surreal you know getting to i think one of my first shows was was cornerstone uh and so just being on main stage cornerstone like what is happening (laughs) like this is I think, you know, just unreal. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on to something uh, of a bit different um, world, and that is Starflyer Fifty Nine and their album Old.
So this is the seventh full-length released by them on Tooth & Nail in 2003. It's often considered one of the best albums by them as it reintroduces the band's rock-oriented sound. So this is a band, I mean, there's seven albums already. I, I can never keep track of how many albums these guys have. Why does this one stand out to you when they have so many to pick from? Um, yeah, it's so Starflyer in general, I'm just like a huge fan of uh, everything. I just, every once in a while I write, Jason, he probably has no idea who I am, but I, I just t- like randomly write him and tell him like, hey, thanks for being like the best. Um but I, yeah, I, so Starflyer in general, we, you know, they would come up and play in our area um, when we, when Watashiwa was kind of just starting out. We started pretty young, like in junior high. And so we would play like churches and coffee houses and stuff. And Starflyer was because they were from Anaheim OC. So we would play a lot with them down there, kind of overlapping shows or festival type shows back then. Everyone had like, w- like just eight bands playing <laughs> for a show or whatever. Yeah. I, um, so I just I always loved Starflyer. I um, and honestly that the like fell in love at twenty two or um, I forget the name of that album, right? but that was one of my favorites too. But old was really special just because. I think it was right when we had signed a tooth and nail. Um, and so I was kind of like, in a way, like rekindling my, my love with tooth and nail and, uh, just like very proud to be on tooth and nail. And, um, so that album, and then it was just so cool. Cause Aaron Sprinkle produced it. I love Aaron Sprinkle. Yeah. And I love, I just love his work and I love him as a person. And, and then, just such a cool lineup on that album. I mean, like Richard Swift. It's just like the players and the production and everything, um, and the and then just the songs and the feeling. I I it's my favorite Starflyer album. Old, and I think it's probably, in my opinion, it's probably like Tooth and Nail's strongest release, maybe. Oh wow! Or one of them, from like a artistic review point of view yeah, like yeah. when we look back on it in the hundred years you know um but yeah i just love i I love that album yeah they were one of those bands that to be honest i could just never get into but again i didn't really have much context for that style or what they were kind of going for um but i mean their name comes up all the time you know whether it's on the you know the tooth and nail groups on facebook or whatever like it's always coming up. So I know they're one of those really influential bands. And, um, yeah. you know, I l- listened to, uh, you know, Joy Electric, who had uh, um, one of the brothers from Starflyer in that band. And, and yeah, so, I, I, yeah, there was yeah. enough kind of, you know, crossover, so to speak. And, you know, I yeah. listened to the songs when they were on uh, compilations and whatever. But, yeah, not not ever a band I really knew kind of how to process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're um Yeah. I, so that album, um, I listened to that album a lot too when we were recording the Eager Seas, the Watashiwa Eager Seas album. Um, we were recording up uh, in, in Tooth & Nail's studio at, at the Tooth & Nail office. And I just, I had a rental car that I was just like taking around Seattle. And I, I listened a lot to that album, you know, and 
Um, so yeah, I just love that. I love that one. Yeah, so the, ne- the next one we're going to touch on, so kind of bring it back to the punk world, is Sumo Surprise from Goaty Hook. Was released in 1996. The album is a pop punk with a tendency towards both humor and evangelical Christianity. This is, I think, the first CD that I bought with my own money. Um, I still have it. That's awesome. You know, I still go back and listen to it a lot. It's it's pretty cringy at times. It's one of those yeah. <laughs> ones that like you listen to now, and it's like okay, like if this came out now, I probably wouldn't be you know super excited about it. But but back then, I mean. It was awesome, and like I said, I still love it for what it is, and and uh, we've talked about that album on the show before. And why did you pick uh, why did you pick this one? Yeah, I love that one so much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I wanted to pick one that kind of represented almost like a category of like tooth and nail era, um, yeah. where I was just like obsessed with like value pack, goatee hook. Um, 
you know, Craig's brother, Slick Shoes, like yeah. every pop, you know, every pop punk release that they put out. And that one especially stood out to me because um, it just felt like it felt cool to have this kind of like humorous tone and like, um, like a different, it was different than the other bands in that way. It was like very humorous, very kind of like tongue in cheek and fun and just kind of crazy. They were really crazy live. Like their drummer was really crazy live and, uh, just kind of like had this wild, fun, humorous side to their music that I really, I really loved. And, but really, like, I would lump that album in with, like, all of those albums. I would just have yeah. all everything on rotation. But that, I love that album. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I was, oh, I, I was and still am all about those, those punk albums. Those are ones I can go back to time and time again, even 20 years later. I mean, there's so much nostalgia to it. And especially back then, I don't know if it was the same for you, but like I only got a new CD or a tape or whatever like once every six months when we would go to the city to see family. And yeah. so that that I would listen to, you know, so when I got that yeah. CD, it was probably like, well, that was the first CD I got. So, you know, that's all I would have listened to other than my tapes or whatever. So, yeah. those, you know, they're just ingrained in your brain because they yeah. just got spun so many times and... So, but Definitely. yeah, it is funny going back to them now and being like, "Oh, that's kind yeah. of a weird." <laughs> yeah, like weird you thing. said, it, you'd probably have a different production and quality now. But there's also something kind of cool and charming about that too, like that it 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 feels a certain way because it sounds that way, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, really, that time I would look at almost like the Poconaccia era for me was like learning how to play guitar and kind of just getting familiar with this whole world. Whereas like the Goaty Hook era or like the, yeah, Goaty Hook value pack, um, those bands, those like early releases, like that first Slick Shoes blue EP. um, Like that really, that time was like when I had, we had started with Tashiwa, we were going and like, so like those bands were like almost like, okay, we could do that. Like we could do, we could do this in our way, you know, like we can, so it was, they were kind of like, um, like when I started to see music, like, okay, I can do this, you know, I can make this. And that, that's why I wanted to bring up that album because it kind of symbolized when I started to almost look at things like, well, what's my thing? You know, what's my, they're funny. They're, you know, like they're doing humor or like, so, yeah, what was just quickly? What was your thoughts on the follow-up Banana Man? What's were that? You, were you were you big into the oh follow-up? Banana Man? Yeah, I love Banana Man. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I, th- I can't remember it now. I just remember like it being even more ridiculous. And I need to go back and listen to that one. And like the production was better than than. Uh, but yeah, I I should go back and listen to that one. I remember loving it though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. That one stands out big time for me too. Yeah. Yeah. The last one we have here is um, one that I don't really know anything about. Is a uh, fine China's when the world sings. We are the meek and mild, the poor of 
released in 2000. This is one of those bands that you know. Yeah. Again, I've I've seen and I I don't really know anything about them. If you showed them to me, I wouldn't be able to tell you what the band was. You know, they kind of fall into that that category of bands that I knew of but didn't really know anything about. So why was this one influential for you? Uh, that one I just um. I love that album. I listened to it a ton. And I, for me, they were, Fine China was always a band that represented that Tooth and Nail um, was like open to just all kinds of cool music, you know, all kinds of, any kind of cool music. Um, And I think for me at that time, it was, it kept me engaged with Tooth and Nail that release you know it really like um it was exciting to me like it felt really fresh and it also made me feel like um really comfortable being myself in my own music and like there was something about it that made me i don't know it gave me a freedom of like wanting to branch out or be different not just be constrained to pop punk necessarily as a genre or like look at music more as like um it can be it can be whatever i am you know like whatever yeah. i i make is is the music i make so um so that that album you know and that album super influenced by like uh other bands like new order joy division and um but uh it it's it just felt so fresh for tooth and nail and and at that time i was like i think a senior in high school or junior in high school or something and it felt like really it just it was it it felt like how i felt at that point in my life i was like oh cool <laughs> yeah yeah i love that what- first song i think it's the first song we rock harder than you ever than you ever knew yeah, I'll have, I'll have to go back and, and listen to it more. But that is really cool when an album does that, where it kind of hits you right where you're at. And oftentimes, I mean, I would have albums like that too, where it's like, you know, general, generally I wouldn't listen to this, but because it's hit me at this specific time, you know, it just kind of makes you feel a certain way and then you kind of latch onto it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely, it still like had, it had cool melodies and still like pop, you know kind of upbeat but understated and kind of influenced by that 80s new wave um and yeah it was just cool like that i i really love the like the juxtaposition you know they had a lot of juxtaposition in their music it was like i started to see like oh cool like you can do that so yeah yeah well that's awesome well man that's that's the five albums i feel like there's a lot more we could talk about but Hey, I said five albums, so that's all we'll do, five albums. But I, I want to touch yeah. <laughs> on uh, on Watashi Wazam. So one of the things I like to do with this series is, um, you know, is have have somebody from one of the bands that released one of my favorite albums on that label, and, and that one is The Love of Life from 2005. I can still remember buying this one because I bought it with a, a heavy metal CD at the same time. So it was, it was a good balance. Uh, I don't know if you remember the band The Agony Scene on Solid State. Totally. I love I, those guys, yeah. yeah. So I bought that album and The Love of Life at the same time. So it was this like, you know, and I was, I was just kind of getting into a bit different stuff. And I don't, I don't, I, 
I don't know if I had any of your albums before this one or why or why I got it. I must have listened to it and, and uh, liked it or whatever. But anyways, just I, I can still remember being at that bookstore and, and buying those two albums. But um, yeah, so you guys formed in, in 2000 when you guys were still kind of in your teens. Uh, you've signed to Betty Rocket and then released two albums on there before signing with Tooth & Nail. Um, you know, and both of those albums kind of had more of, you know, the kind of classic skate punk sound. And um, so what, what kind of shifted there between those two albums and then signing with Tooth and & Nail and, and creating uh, The Love of Life? Great question. What? <laughs> so, um, one, well, number one, that's awesome that you bought a uh, love of life with agony scene. I think that's, that's juxtaposition right there. That's cool. <laughs> Just the names alone, the love of life and the, agony yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I love those guys too. Um, I need to go back and listen to them. Uh, yeah, we, we had, um, I started with Tashiwa when I was in junior high, and so we were pretty young when we made the love of. I mean, when we made uh, Lost a Few Battles, won the war, and um, and Simple Road Less Traveled. Um, we, I think, were you know sixteen, seventeen with Lost a Few Battles, and then seventeen, eighteen with. Um, Simple Road, Less Traveled, our two Betty Rocket releases. And so we were still in high school. We were kind of touring during the summer. Um, still kind of, I would say, like really highly influenced by the bands, you know, we were listening to. We were still really young, even just learning our instruments and playing music in general. And we were barely, we, we basically learned to play music so that we could start a band. Yeah, And so... You know, love of life. I think we had graduated high school. We, you know, we had found our sound a little bit more. Uh, you know, who we felt like uniquely who we were. Um, and then from the time that I started with Tashiwa to the time that we made love of life, we went through a lot of member changes too. Like we had started um, with, you know, when I started with Tashiwa, it was like all different guys and then you know one one group when we signed to betty rocket um when we made uh love of life it was still that same group and then when we toured love of life it was like totally different so Mm. um yeah so just a lot of changes i think that probably came across in the sound you know growing up a little bit but love of life for sure was i was in a I was in a place in my life, I think, you know, coming out of high school, really having this vision for my life of making music and kind of like, um, you know, touring and, and doing that as a career and, and even as like a, a ministry and like a calling almost. Um, and really felt like a drive and like an excitement and a lo- like a, I was really you know, I was so in love with what I was doing. Like we were so in love with what we were doing that that's what the love of life. It was, it was like, we were so isolated in our world that that's, I think what, what happened. And then we made it so quickly too, up in Washington. I mean, up in, uh, in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, uh, that it looking back on it, it's like, 
we didn't even really have time to think about the sound, but it ended up sounding a lot different than we expected it to sound going into making it. Interesting. And then at, at first, it was almost like a lot of some of the guys were disappointed with the way it sounded. It was like a bummer, you know, to them that it wasn't that it was so far from. I think the last, the first two albums, there was like maybe this concern like is it too different or is it, you know, the guitar sounds aren't all distorted and, um, you know, so yeah, it, it, uh, I think it just kind of represented all of that, like where we were at in life growing up, um, feeling this sense of like love for what we were doing and just making it so quickly in this, like this, it was like almost a whirlwind of, fun newfound freedom excitement love for what we were doing it was just like so cool um that whole experience of making that album was so cool yeah well there's such a i mean there's there's a difference you know production wise obviously going from whoever did the first two albums to a guy like garth Um, right but i mean the songs are just are are so well you know, crafted. They're catchy. They're really beautiful sounding. You know, Thank it's you. it's a bit slower, but it's still upbeat. You know, like um, I just listened to this album on the weekend. We went for a drive out of the city, and I put it on, and and uh, yeah, like it, it's still a good album you can put on. You know, like say for for driving. You know, it's got enough energy for that. But there's there's a lot more dynamic to it. And so, was there something kind of influencing you in your songwriting that kind of shifted that? You know, outside of having different band members and that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we, you know, like I had mentioned, I kind of touched on it with. Um, well, one just tooth and nail in general was influential. I I would say in my love for all types of music or like eclectic music, you know, taste because they, you know, that being so excited about that early on um, with their catalog and then kind of seeing like, oh, I can appreciate anything in any type of music. Any, anything that someone can connect with and, and appreciate and, and love, that means it has value to it. And so I can like appreciate what that is. So I kind of became obsessed with like listening to all music, every, every music, you know. So that's, I think... Um, we were listening, you know, when we were touring on the, on those first two albums with Betty Rocket, we were touring, I think with like, um, No More. You remember that band? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got their CD too. Yeah. They were cool. I love those guys. Um, and we were, you know, we were listening to, we, the Strokes had just come out that is this it album. And so we were heavily like, you know, wanting them to that everywhere and then but we were listening to like dixie chicks lisa loeb the cure you know uh oasis like everything you know the police you know we were listening to so much music we were trying to just find as much music as we possibly could it was like um we became obsessed with just like listening to and learning from everything that we could discover you know with music so when we made the lo- when we made Love of Life, it was like um, we definitely we all love everyone in the band really loved you know 
I think I, I had even told Garth, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted it to sound like more like the cure or something at the end, you know, I was like, you know, had all these ideas of like, I want it, I want the guitar to sound like the cure, but I want the vocal to sound like, you know, yeah. Or, um, so we, you know, we were comfortable breaking out of that pop, pop punk world and just kind of making, you know, the music that, that we were wanting to make based on everything that we were learning from the music that we were listening to. And, and the, and we listened to like hardcore music. Like we loved everything, you know, just anything. Yeah. Was there uh, like, like how was this album received? Was there any kind of nervousness on releasing something after people kind of maybe expected one thing from you and then, you know, another comes out or was it well received, you know, both from the label and from, from fans? Yeah, it's funny thinking back on it. I need to probably go back and look at the reviews. <laughs> but uh Yeah, I mean I remember definitely, you know, the 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 fans and locally and even like, you know, within the band there was some disappointment with the way it turned out, you know. Um but uh you know, I think I remember it from my perspective, it felt very exciting. Like it was like people really loved it. You know, I remember like mp3.com was like a big thing at that time. Yeah. And I remember like all of me, uh, was released as like a single first and it was really doing well on mp3.com. And I remember just like being ecstatic about that. Oh, yeah. And just like, you know, things back then that, um, you know, yeah, I think, Seemed like people really liked it. My my, I think we did. We were different than you know the tooth and nail, the other tooth and nail releases. Especially at that time, it was like the Amberlins and the Under Oath and yeah. May, and so we were we weren't as like heavy as like some of the other stuff. And that's when I think tooth and nail really honed in on like a sound and got actually like less. <laughs> almost like less eclectic, but more, it was like, because the, the, um, the, a lot of the albums were made by the same producers and mixed by the same guys. And they really yeah. got like a, a good format down. Um, we, it felt like, I remember feeling like, Oh, we don't really fit into that sound necessarily, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I look back on it, I think people really like that album. I wish we would have toured more on it. Yeah, yeah, what kind of happened, you know? So you released that album, and then, I mean, you've alluded to member changes and different things. You know, what kind of followed this album? Because this is the only one that you released, right, as Watashi Wa. I mean, then you kind of went to the Eager Seas um, kind of name or both of those names or whatever, but what uh, what kind of brought the, the downfall, so to speak? Yeah, well, we did. Um, yeah, we did. We did have like a, a hard time getting on tours. I remember that, and I remember we had a hard time finding like a booking agent. Um, and so, I think there was something with there. It was almost like this thing. Well, like if you haven't toured a lot, then you can't get a good booking agent. It's like, well, how could you get a book? How can you get on tours without a booking agent? Like, yeah. Uh, so. I remember that and I remember um 
you know, we were at that point, we weren't, we were really trying to break out of the Christian music industry. Like we had this thing with, I think going through our experience with Betty Rocket and just kind of like looking at it, like we just like, you know, we just want to play like at like clubs and stuff. We don't want to play yeah. at churches. Um, and so we turned down, you know, we had turned down some, some church tours and, um, stuff like that. And I think, I don't know if that maybe got, got us like a bad rep or what, but so we didn't, we didn't tour a ton and we actually didn't, we were waiting to kind of put out Love of Life for a while, um, until we could get like a good tour. Um, and I think, you know, maybe we were too picky i think we were yeah, pretty pretty young naive kind of prima donnas or whatever um there was probably a lot there you know looking back on it but yeah, um sure. we we did end up touring we did the tooth and nail tour and we did a handful of other tours um that were that were great after and i think um on the tooth and nail tour that one was probably like when we were just you know I would say not like at a peak or whatever, but like we were just in a really good spot. Um, and that's when Luke, our guitar player quit. Um, so we kind of, we went through right before, you know, we released love of life. Um, Mike quit our original guitar player or our second guitar player after I started with Tashiwa. Um, and so it, and he was the, he played on our Betty Rocket releases and the um, and the Love of Life, but then he never got to tour the Love of Life with us. So when we were touring the Love of Life with Luke, we were we really found like our sound and and really that was actually like a a new kind of like um, growth time for us with like our sound experimenting with like pedals more and like just guitar sounds and um. And then when he, so when he quit, it just was, I think it just took a lot of energy out of us, you know, just kind of yeah. like knocked the wind out of us because we were going, we had all these kind of tours lined up. We had some really great, uh, opening tours with like, like good support tours with, with some bands and then Luke quit. Um, and we just kind of, we bailed on all those tours and then that kind of, I think whether or not it's true, it made us feel like, Oh crap, we burned all our bridges, you know? Cause then it was like all these bands, um, that we kind of left hanging, you know, we mm -hmm. felt like cause, cause we didn't have a guitar player. Yeah. Um, and looking back on it, even like we had a tour with may and may and Dave, Dave offered to play guitar on the tour, you know, fill in on guitar for us. And we were, you know, we just were so heartbroken. <laughs> like we yeah. were just like, Oh, we, we can't do it. So anyways, yeah, that's like when it kind of all fizzled, fizzled out after that, we, we went up to record, um, that, uh, split with Mike producing. Um, and we were planning on putting that out. And then that we got, we had got another guitar player and then he didn't work out. And then it was just like, okay. I mean, it was like, I think we had gone through after Luke, you know, a, a handful 
And so it was just like, okay, maybe we just can't. It almost felt like we were beating a dead horse. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah, that's we're fair. like, are we trying too hard? Like, um, but looking back on it now, we were just being babies, you know? <laughs> yeah. What was there any kind of sense of disappointment of like, Hey, we've made it to tooth and nail, you know, we're kind of, we've, we've put this album out with this, you know, big name producer and then, you know, and, and this has happened to quite a few bands, you know, whether on Tooth & Nail or others, where it's like you kind of get to the peak and then, like you say, there's just a handful of things, you know, where it's members quit or something happens and then, you know, that's just kind of it. So was there a sense of disappointment or you just kind of came to terms with it and, you know, kind of moved on to other musical projects? Yeah. You know, honestly, I think looking... Well, I'm just... I'll, I haven't told anyone this, but I'm actually... I'm doing music under the name Watashiwa again. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, just made a new album. But so looking back on it, it's kind of funny to think about like, why did, like, why did we, why did I just stop? And like, why did I go under like a different name and all that? Cause I had already gone, you know, I'd started the band with like all different guys. And then we had got to a place where I, I had put so much weight on like almost, the other guys in the band and needing them to like make it go on that it was like, as they kept dropping it, it was like part of my vision was, was like I was giving up on it, you know, more and more. Yeah. But looking back on it, it's funny. Cause like now I'm like, no, I have the same vision. I, I still want to make really positive, uh, you know, upbeat music and, um, and I have the same, you know, feeling as I did with Watashiwa. So I'm going to make music, yeah, <laughs> Watashiwa awesome. music, you know? Yeah. Well, um, it's really exciting. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited too. But yeah. So looking back on it, it is funny to think like, why did we call that off? You know, but, um, and then even then it was like, I started a new project. I toured under that name. It was called the eager seas. We yeah. did, we did a tour with Copeland love drug and acceptance we did a couple tours as Eager Seas, and then we made the album as Eager Seas, and then, you know, we put it out as a Watashiwa album, um, which now looking back on it, it's like, that was a smart, that was like, Brandon was right. That was like a smart, we should have just put every, you know, I probably should have just put everything out as Watashiwa, yeah. but uh, anyways, it's funny, you know, you get older, you learn, um, but yeah, I was just kind of like in this headspace of, you know, I think because I started it so young, I started it when I was like, you know, 13. It was, it was a big part of my identity that felt like I relied on these other people or something. And looking back on it, it was like, you know, just emotionally immature of me. But yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so hard to know in those moments, right? Like, it kind of feels like it's coming to an end, so you feel like you have to cut it off. Maybe it's just to give you a sense of closing that chapter instead of just leaving it open or whatever. But yeah, but that's cool. You can you know bring it back now, and that's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking. I like I said with the with the COVID nineteen and the pandemic, um, I started making a lot of music that you know I feel like people are feeling so stressed out and anxious right now and and my music what naturally comes out of me right now with and and it did with Watashiwa was like just 
really positive kind of optimistic way of looking at stuff. And I think that's exciting for me to like bring that to the table right now in the world, like make, yeah. make Watashiwa music again right now. Cause I feel like people, um, I think people need it. You know, I feel like people need like upbeat, positive, fun music right now. So yeah, for sure. Any hints on, uh, when we can hear some of that? Um, I'm hoping this summer, yeah, to to put out a full length and then probably a couple singles before then, um, sometime from then, from now until then. So, oh, awesome. But yeah, we're just mixing tonight. Actually, we're mixing um, the first single. We'll fin- probably finish the mix on that. And then um, we have another, another one we're mixing as well. Um, so we're beginning the mixing process for the whole album right now. Um, and yeah, make, starting to make plans on what we want to do, release it. I'm hoping to tour again too. I really want to tour this summer. So yeah, right on. That's really exciting. Well, that answers my, my final question. I'm just kind of what you've been up to musically. And, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's really exciting. I'm really excited to hear that. Um, the last thing I just, I want to touch on is just saying how much I loved the, uh, the lakes photograph EP, Oh, awesome. Thank that's, you. That's one of my probably all-time favorite EPs. I played a few of those songs at my wedding years ago. And, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, you're, you're a super gifted musician. And uh, I mean, I know you released an album a few years ago as Lakes. And uh, that was really cool, too. And so, yeah, it, it's been fun to kind of, you know, follow you since, you know, 2005 or even earlier because I, I listened to those Betty Rocket albums, too. So it's Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, really cool to, to get to talk with you today and get to yeah, talk about too. music, you know, with someone that I've been listening to for, you know, a couple of decades already. Yeah, I really appreciate I really appreciate um one just like this like that you that you listened to that and that you like had have me on too cuz um like I said I've really reconnected. It's a really cool time because like I've really reconnected with a lot of um almost like a similar feeling musically that I had with Watashiwa um, recently with making this, this album. And, uh, and so it's cool, like kind of like being able to talk about these, these old albums and go, re, you know, relive the tooth and nail, um, you know, memory lane <laughs> of yeah. releases and stuff. So I really appreciate it. And yeah, that EP, um, that photographs EP, that, I love that one too. Thank you uh, for listening to that. Yeah, I, I, that's another one, you know, looking at it, it's like, would people have thought differently of, of that had it been called Watashiwa, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess you just have to re-release it under that name and just pretend yeah. it's never, been, never come out before. <laughs> that's the thing that, that I've done is confuse people for sure too with the name changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Seth. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to to hang out and talk music. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one.